That's right. This is uh, the second week in a row. Although you people won't know it because I still haven't released the first one. So it looked like they <laughs> came out uh, together because I'll probably do them both today. But it and it's is a little over a week. A little over, like 10 days. I can, 10 days is good enough for a week. Listen, it's better than our uh, previous break between episodes. That's right. All right, well, it's uh, it's November 23rd. I am slightly less prepared than last week, if that's possible. But you, you have some <laughs> stuff. I have a list. I have things. I have things, like just sort of interesting tidbits, but nothing, nothing dramatic. So you go ahead. You start off. No. Uh, you... Uh... You start. I'm check. I'm like, I need to check something first before I start because it might have updated in the week and I didn't check. So you start. You say something. All right. Well, <laughs> uh, Apple has is filed a lawsuit is it against an Israeli cyber firm uh, that that apparently targets Apple users with its software. And I feel ah, so not me. I feel like. It's like, I feel like if you're hacking somebody's phone, what, what's a lawsuit going to do? The law says stop. Well, the law said stop in the first place. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, I mean, true. what's the, I don't understand the point of suing. But anyway, good luck to them. I don't want, I don't think I've ever been hacked, but I don't think I have anything worth hacking. And did you see who leads the Grammys this year in nominations? No, because I've never paid attention to the Grammys ever in my life. No, me neither. I'm just scrolling through the news feed and it was just up there. <laughs> John Batiste, who is... Oh, yeah. who is Stephen Colbert. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's cool. 11 nominations. I don't know what he did. I, I, I don't know him from anything outside of Stephen Colbert, and then I saw that he was big in the uh, production of the movie Soul, and I only know that because I was watching the Stephen Colbert monologue. Yeah, so that's kind of cool, just because he's... I like him on Stephen Colbert. He seems like a good guy, good musician. Yeah. And Dollar Tree is increasing prices to $1.25. Can they even call themselves Dollar Tree anymore? That's Dollar twenty five tree. Buck and a quarter tree. <laughs> and and you know, they say inflation is at like single digit percentages. And this is a pet peeve of mine. I don't know I don't know who does that math and how they calculate it, but it's not. Gas is through the roof, housing prices are through the roof. Like, like it's not. For things you actually need to buy, I don't know what they're calculating that hasn't gone up in price. I was at Costco. I was at, well, I was at Costco, but uh, actually, this was at Fortino's. Uh, used to be able to get like a full bag of cut up romaine lettuce, and it was like five or something dollars. And now, uh, like a of of fifty percent of the lettuce, or probably less than fifty percent of the volume. Is is a buck more? It's like six and change, almost seven. Like inflation has got to be at fifteen to twenty percent, and now I think it's twenty five percent because a Dollar Tree is going to a buck and a quarter. <laughs> That's twenty five percent. Okay, now I don't actually know, but like, could 
inflation be in the single digits and then companies are just using inflation as excuse to up their prices and make more money? Like, is it maybe not inflation's fault and companies just want to... That is, that is, the, that is the definition of inflation. How much, that is more, inflation. That, how much more stuff costs this year than last for whatever reason, right? Okay. Whether it's companies making money, whatever. Like, it, that is what inflation is. Stuff gets, costs more. How much more does stuff cost? Because a lot of companies, including where I used to work, not so much in Canada, but a little bit more more for the Indian arm of the company, your 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 increase was based on inflation. So oh. so if they you know if they're lying about the inflation numbers, it's essentially getting a pay cut. Yeah, but I can see that happening too if it benefits the upper echelons. Well, I just think I just think why lie about it? Just just tell the truth. Just whatever inflation is, just put it out there so people know. People get scared when they see big inflation numbers, so I think that's why. But like we're all living here, we all know you can't you can't hide it. You can't you can't release. Oh, inflation is one point two percent. I call BS on that. No, it's not. <laughs> and I don't know what it is this year. I have not seen uh, the results this year. But I, if it's anything under ten. I think, uh, yeah, they're pulling. Our, they're trying to pull our legs. I wonder if it's supply chain issues because of COVID. Uh, I mean, some of it might be supply chain, um, but I, 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 this isn't just. I don't think this isn't a one-year issue for me. I think inflation's been wrong for a long time because they don't count things that people actually buy. Yeah. It's funny, I was having a conversation with my roommates the other day about the supply chain issues um, and how we keep reading about them and like shortages of stuff and how we're not going to get stuff. And um, we came to the conclusion that, uh, well, we, and we were talking about how we kept reading about it, but we didn't actually notice any differences. Right. And we came to the conclusion that it's because we're too poor to notice it doesn't differences matter. in supply chain <laughs> issues. Just, we're not buying anything anyway. Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, it's like, uh, you know, oh, we're running out of microchips, so you won't be able to buy the newest computers. And I'm like, I'm not able to buy the newest computers anyway, you know? Will I be able to afford tomatoes? That's my big concern. <laughs> like, And tomatoes are going up, too. Like, they've gone yeah, up. But they're not uh, short. They're not short on tomatoes, so... They're not we're too poor to from... notice the supply chain issues. Yeah. That was our conclusion. That's funny. Um, do you have anything else or should I, should I take some? Dig in, dig in. Go back and forth. All right. Um, so it's been now. I've done like three things. (laughs) Uh, my first thing, um, well, I'll say for lot, I had prepared this for Sunday and so I had everything neatly stacked under Canada, wider, uh, USA and wider world. Um, so I'm going to go through that, but then it might get a little topsy-turvy because later I'm going to go through a few more stories that I haven't fully read yet because I was just preparing them today. So we'll get some live reactions and it might not all fit in there. Anyway, um, so I think it's been about two weeks now, maybe a little under two weeks since record-shattering rainfall left communities across southern British Columbia devastated. Um, 
upwards of 14,000 people still away from their homes under evacuation orders due to floodwaters. Uh, the BC Agriculture Minister says 200 square kilometers of farmland have been flooded so far across southern BC. That number could be different today. This was um, a few days ago that this was a story, so or that these numbers were updated. It's been a story for a while, but that these numbers were updated, so they might be a little different, but I imagine they're not drastically different. Um, and 959 farms were on evacuation orders as of Friday evening. Um, and, you know, I look at this and, like, this is, this is the climate crisis at our doorstep. Uh, and... You know, like that, the, the the sort of insidious thing about the climate crisis is that it comes in natural disasters that aren't brand new to us, but with increased severity and frequency. You know? and so, and frequency, yeah. And it might be easy to dismiss like one as well. This was just particularly bad, but uh, we really need to stop doing that because this is going to be the norm. This this severe flooding is going to be the baseline in the future if we don't do something. There was no snow at Halloween in Yellowknife this year. Really? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, even our snow in Edmonton felt a little delayed. I uh, I remember three years ago, maybe four years ago, our, the first snow was Halloween, and that, that was, was pretty normal, like, to have snow at least around Halloween. We didn't get our first snow till about a week into November, week, yeah, week, but, uh, yeah, week yeah, later. Yep. Yellowknife, I don't think people, like, people that live up there can't remember the last time there was no snow. Like, it's yeah. just, it's like, you know, it's talked about in coffee shops now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's... Back when it's, I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's insane. Um, and then the other thing was about this is that, uh, you know, this is about two weeks now. And there was a big story um, or a big fuss about how Jason Kenney, the premier of Alberta, said nothing about the flooding in our neighboring B.C. until five days ago. He didn't mention it. He didn't talk about reaching out to the premier. He didn't offer any support. Um, worth noting that B.C. offered to support uh, to Alberta within two days of the Fort McMurray wildfires. It's a good chance he just didn't know. Jason Kenney? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think he was just uh, happy to see socialist NDP flooded out. <laughs> He's they'd be like, why is this? This isn't a natural disaster. This is God's reckoning. <sighs> Washing the unclean, pipelineless land away from the earth. Um, but anyway, five days ago, he finally said he reached out to Premier John Horgan to offer his support. Um, and I'm like, great. What about the previous 10 days that it was happening? Like, what took you so long? But you know what he did before that, before he reached out, um, within two days of the, uh, uh, Flood? uh flooding caused by the climate crisis, he released a, a, a video talking about how important pickup trucks are for winter in Alberta. Continuing, I don't know if you know this is happening, but Jason Kenney has been running a pickup truck campaign 
not like officially, but quite personally for a while, ever since I think Justin Trudeau mentioned something about like in the future, maybe we need to phase out the use of pickup trucks for just like anyone. I don't know. I don't know exactly what he said. He said something about pickup trucks. And ever since then, Jason Kenney has been a fierce defender of pickup trucks. Uh, well, it is the number one vehicle in Alberta, I think, and probably Saskatchewan, probably the West. Probably. And listen, I'm not anti-pickup truck. It's definitely needed for some uh, jobs. Like, you know, farmers probably need them to move things. But, like, I think there are bigger issues happening that the Premier of Alberta should deal with first. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> um, speaking of... The Premier of Alberta, Jason Kenney, and his United Conservative Party. Um, it's it's an absolute disaster. Um, they had their convention this weekend. Um, and Jason Kenney's leadership is under fire from within his party. Sorry, it wasn't a convention. It was an annual general meeting. Um, and yeah, so Jason Kenney's leadership has been under fire for a while from people who mostly think he's done too much to fight COVID. Huh. Um, and like curtailed liberties and stuff like that. So he's set to have a leadership review in April. And at this annual general meeting, the anti-Kenny faction put forward a motion um, to move that up to February. Already a little under a quarter of the UCP Riding Association's um, sorry, over a quarter of the UCP Riding Associations, but under a third have called for Kenny to resign and for an early leadership review. But this um, motion was narrowly defeated, so the leadership review will stay in April. Um, and Kenny walked away saying that he felt much more secure in his leadership after all his paid Stafford clap wildly for his speech. <laughs> you know, um, you know, I, I remember you just said over a quarter, but under a third. There yeah, was yeah. Uh, there was apparently a, like this is a long time ago, but but uh, A&W put out a third pounder to complete with to compete with the McDonald's quarter pounder, but it failed because most people thought a third was less than a quarter. Yeah, I remember reading about that too. <laughs> uh, that's sad. Me is funny. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Um, and then, yeah, um, Brian, and then the other complication is a man named Brian Jean, who I may have talked about before last week, but I'll recap just in case I didn't. In which case, it's not a recap, but it is if I did. Who knows? Um, Brian Jean was leader of the Wild Rose Party in Alberta, which was, like, relevant up until 2017, 2018. They were the official opposition. And if, uh, well, if, you know, if the Alberta Progressive Conservatives were the Progressive Conservatives, um, Wild Rose was essentially Alberta's provincial uh, reform party. Right. Like, they were that other step to the right. Um, and Brian Jean was their last leader until 
they merged with the progressive conservatives to create the United Conservative Party. And he ran against Jason Kenney for the United Conservative Party leadership, and he came in second. Um, he is sort of positioning himself as the leader of the anti-Kenney faction in the UCP. Um, and he is going, he's running to be the UCP nominee in a by-election in the riding of Fort McMurray something. Um, and so he's not the nominee yet, but he's running to be the nominee. And Jason Kenney um, has no say in who's the nominee, so it could very well be Brian Jean. And uh, if Brian Jean's elected, then that would be another MP or MLA, rather, within the Legislative Assembly that doesn't support the Premier, which is never a good look. Yeah. Um, and it might end up being a loot if, if Brian Jean gets the uh, the nomination, it could just be a lose lose for Jason Kenney because. The, Jason Kenney is so unpopular that the riding is becoming competitive and the NDP could pick it up. Right. So, so he could Jason lose Kenney's his, in a tough spot. He could lose his own, his own seat. Jason Kenney? Yeah. Yeah, and in a general election, his, his own seat is at risk as well. Yeah. He's just super unpopular. Well, that sucks yeah. to him. Sorry? Sucks to be him. Yeah, well, you know, it, 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 it kind of it happens when you're terrible at your job. You kind of become unpopular. Yeah, it can. That can happen. <laughs> um, speaking of uh, um, conservative parties in a mess, the Conservative Party. Uh, conservative leader Aaron O'Toole kicked Saskatchewan Senator Denise Batters out of the National Conservative Caucus a day after she launched a petition calling for an expedited review of his leadership. He said, as the leader... I don't want to be of, reviewed. Yeah. He said, as the leader of the Conservative Party of Canada, I will not tolerate an individual discrediting and showing a clear lack of respect towards the efforts of the entire Conservative Caucus who are holding the corrupt and disastrous Trudeau government to account. Batters hit back at O'Toole in a statement of her own, saying he is a thin-skinned leader who cannot, cannot tolerate criticism. Well, she, she seems to have a point if he, like, fucked her out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like, she's not discrediting and disrespecting the efforts of the Conservative caucus, She's discrediting and disrespecting Aaron O'Toole. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I mean, I don't know if it's the right move. It probably isn't. Like, ultimately, I don't know. I, I think you got to give him a couple of elections at least to to grow his base and whatnot. If you if you hope to get to get in, and he won the the leadership race, you know, fair and square. So. How about you keep your mouth shut for uh, eight years? Uh, I mean, my advice. I mean, for, for the good of the Conservative Party, which is a scary notion, um, I agree. Like, I think the like looking at it, my 
opinions of the conservative party aside, just like if they want to be a successful party, they really need to learn to stick with a leader for a while. Yeah. Um, but uh, on Aaron O'Toole's part, I mean, there's a fine line, I think, um, between like when you need to let people criticize you and when you need to kick people out. Because if you just develop the habit of kicking anyone else who criticize, like kicking to the curb anyone who dares criticize you, that's a bit authoritarian. Yeah, I'm not sure that's the answer either. You're right. I think it's more of a take them aside and have a one-on-one with them. Like, what what are you doing? And then come out together and make a joint statement. Like, but... Mm -hmm. but, uh, It is. But they're, I mean, they're shooting themselves in the foot. They are. And it is, you know, he, it is his job to hold together the conservative party and you can't hold together a party that is, is, um, constantly criticizing you. It does make your party look divided. Is the, was she like super right wing? I have no idea. She's a Senator. Nobody pays any attention to her until. She's a Senator. Who cares then? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a tricky situation Aaron Atua finds himself in. I, he's in a bit of a better position than I think Andrew Scheer was coming out of the 2019 election. So if he can navigate the next nine months, which is, I think, as long as Andrew Scheer lasted, um, decently, then I think he might, he'll probably stick around. Did you just change your background? Yeah. So what? Can't you tell? I'm in an apartment. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Fair. Um, I always yeah, hate how this makes you look. It makes you look like like a, a an in focus Max Headroom. You know, <laughs> when you're using these weird backgrounds. I don't think I have the weird backgrounds. It doesn't let me use them. All right, let's just go back to the house. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, that distracted. Go ahead. That's okay. Uh, but yeah, the uh, as long as he can navigate, if he navigates it well, then he'll probably stick on to at least the next election, but I don't think it's guaranteed. Yeah, yeah he, they have to let it. I mean, unless they get, like, the next Brian Mulroney, they need to, because... It's their only chance of winning. Yeah. The the big thing is there's no obvious successor. Yeah. Well, like you said, because there's no it's a it's really two parties being forced into one. And there's just Yeah. It's just not going to it's not ultimately I don't think it can work. I think you I think you have to split. I think you're better off splitting from the reform. And putting yourself back squarely in the PC, which is quite frankly where Canadians are in a whole are anyway, PC or liberal, pretty much. And and embrace it and, and just forget about the far right. Let them have their own party. But you do have to take care of the West because that is a lot where the far right is. So you have to you have to acknowledge 
what they've done for the country, which is a lot. I mean, I acknowledge that. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and, and and you also can't be giving favors to Quebec like everybody does. And I think you have a recipe for success there. You don't need Quebec if you can take Ontario in the West. Which is what uh, Stephen Harper proved in 2011. Yeah. You don't need Quebec. So Yeah. So I think I think you're be- I think that's their recipe for success. But they need the right leader and they need a leader that's that's unabashedly going to say, you know, yeah, we're going to fight climate change. Yes, everybody is created equal and we don't care what you do in your own bedrooms, but let's keep a lid on the fiscal spending. You know what I mean? Let's just watch how we're spending our money. And that does not mean, you know, people hear that and they think you're going to cut arts programs. And that's not what I'm saying either. Like, it's it's just watch what, like, balance the budget. Don't just spend billions of dollars that you don't have. Barring a pandemic, obviously, where you have to. But in general, don't do that. Yeah. No, I, I think, you know what? You know who I think would do really well? A PC party led by Michael Chum. Yeah, this, I think they'd have a decent chance, yeah. But Michael Chum will never win the leadership of the Conservative Party. And uh, and I, I, don't, I don't see them splitting for another two elections. Yeah. But I do think they'll split it. They, they do have to. Eventually they have to. It's the only... It's the only chance of the Conservatives really ever getting back in power if they want to, I think. And, and it and sounds seeing... sort of counterintuitive, but but uh, I think you just have to, and and you have to, you absolutely have to have the right leader. Like you have to have a dynamic, well-spoken leader that can connect with the the disenfranchised uh, across the country of Conservatives that just won't vote conservative because they don't believe in the, you know, the far right um, thinking. Yeah. It, uh, I think we're seeing a bit of a microcosm of it, just like almost expedited in Alberta with the United Conservative Party that united and basically immediately started falling apart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, you know, I, it might happen where the Conservative Party doesn't formally split, but itself becomes more of a CP, uh, PC party, if the the People's Party grows. Yeah, that's what that's what I mean. I mean they'll never actually split. Like we're kicking reform out and we're going back to PC. I don't think that'll ever happen. But I think what'll happen is a right movement, whether it's the People's Party or a, a new reform party from out west somewhere that allows the conservatives and also they have to they have to embrace it i mean it doesn't matter if a new conservative like right wing party forms if you don't get out of that far right wing lane right yeah you have to then say okay you can have those voters because in canada that's not that many voters there's way more over here if we can st- forget about forget about keeping your right wing base steal the right-wing liberals yeah and that's a that's a huge hunk of the population yeah there's in my opinion fewer 
far right or even right wing voters out west than most people think. It's just people who feel like their interests are ignored. Yeah, exactly. And this is and and and, and everything goes to the east. And Ontario yeah. and Quebec are the big Satan's. And it's I think it's mostly Quebec rather than Ontario because everything goes to Quebec. Yeah. Because they have the oh we're leaving card. Yeah. But, it's, but they, they're never gonna to leave. Is... They're not gonna leave. <laughs> Why would they leave? They'd be stupid to leave. Yeah. I mean all you have to do is look at the provincial politics though. Like in Manitoba and Alberta the NDP massively leads in polling right now. Yes, they have conservative provincial governments, but those governments would lose an election if they were held today. And some of those voters who vote NDP provincially vote conservative uh, nationally because they don't feel any other parties are talking about Western interest. Yeah, absolutely. No, well, I, I said that. I said they can't, they have to include the West. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, 100%. I agree with you. You're correct. And just, and just, they don't have to exclude Quebec. They just have to treat Quebec like everybody else. Yeah. Um, side note, I didn't really include this story, but Manitoba just got a new premier after their premier resigned mid-mandate, which... Weird. Is... Yeah, whenever that happens, I'm like, you just... Like, come on. You were elected on a mandate. Fulfill your mandate. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, so the it was um, a woman won the PC leadership race. She just was one of the premier, first female premier of Manitoba. Oh, nice. Yeah. So we'll see how she does. Um, while we're talking about, by, sorry, just sorry. While we're talking about that, I have two other things. One, the some sort of Brit awards. I don't know what they are. Scrapping male and female categories. And I'm, I'm not quite sure how I feel about that. The, I mean, on principle, I think it's good because, like, you know, okay, I have no idea what the Brit Awards are, but let's talk about the Oscars, for example. And, and But I use this because I think it applies to any award. Um, women can compete with men in anything and be better and win. And so there's there's no particular reason looking at it like that to separate them. Like, we don't need to, like, we can just compete as people. Um, also, not everybody's a man or a woman, so that kind of opens that up. But... The downside is because of the world we still live in, um, I think right now it will just lead to um, women and anybody who's not a man basically being sidelined. Or the reverse. Or the reverse. So people will overcompensate and it'll be the exact opposite. Like, it, you know what I mean? It's almost, it, ever, any way you want to cut it, there are genders. Whatever your gender. I'm not saying man and woman, but there's genders. Okay, yeah. So, however, if you want to put man, woman, and then add an other, knock yourself out. But yeah. I'm just saying, I, I'm, I, in, a, in, a, in a perfect world, fine. In the world we actually live in, 
I don't have a problem with best male actor, best female actor, best male vocalist, best female vocalist. If you want to put in a best other vocalist, I'm okay with that too. Like, uh, yeah. But I mean, I, I just don't. I don't. Uh, I don't. I think it's very difficult to for it to be a, a free and fair vote when you're just throwing everybody together. You're gonna you're gonna either you're gonna either vote for you know the men are gonna vote for the men because they feel like you know they're they're they don't want to look like they're overcompensating or they're gonna vote for the women because they don't want to vote for the men because they don't want to look like they're voting for the men. It'll get over politicized and it'll, it'll get, just be based on get, talent. Exactly. That that's my yes. opinion. That's my opinion. So I, if it was down to me, I would leave it the way it is. And like I said, potentially add a, a other yeah. or whatever they want, whatever people want to call it. Yeah. That, that I, I, that's my first uh, blush on that, anyway. Yeah, we'll see. We'll think about it more and talk about it next week. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, uh, back to Aaron O'Toole. He said that all 119 conservative members of parliament will be in the House of Commons for next week for the opening of a new session. That happened yesterday, by the way. Either because they are fully vaccinated against COVID-19 or because they have received exemptions. The conservative leader said it was time for, quote, real parliament and do away with the hybrid model that he suggested has allowed Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to hide from scrutiny. Um, well, it'll, it'll, it'll result in a lot less nudity in Parliament. Yes, less, yeah. Um, I, I think, though, like, I don't think the hybrid model, like, helped the Liberals escape from scrutiny. Like, there was still an opposition. It operated on the same way. Just because maybe some of the older Conservative members couldn't quite figure out Zoom doesn't mean that they escaped scrutiny. I think more likely... Aaron O'Toole just missed having 118 people clap every time he said anything. Could be. Either way, I, I just, uh, you know, yeah. It, I, I, you're right. It does. I, it has nothing to do with that. I don't think. Yeah. Also, interestingly, the Liberal House leader said that the amount of Conservative MPs who got um, exemptions for the vaccine was, quote, statistically unlikely. The number of conservatives? Yeah, who got exemptions. Yeah, well, you know, statistical statistical anomalies happen. If somebody wants to look into it, knock yourself out. Oh, I'm sure they'll look into it. Yeah, I don't... But uh, it's, it's interesting. I didn't see what the... Sorry, not statistic. He didn't say statistically unlikely. He said statistically improbable. Yeah. Um. So's the world it, happening. Yeah. I it, mean, unless it, you're like a creationist, I guess. In which case, it has nothing <laughs> to do with statistics. But the um, I mean, listen, I don't think that the liberals are above political game games um any oh, more no. than the conservatives are any more than so, the NDP. they're all and they nobody everybody plays political games the whole thing is a game 
Yeah, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Conservatives were fudging their numbers a bit. I also wouldn't be surprised if the uh, the Liberals were just trying to make Conservatives look bad. Yeah. No, either way, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, that's just interesting. Um, moving away from the Conservative Party... Independent MP Kevin Vong, famous for sexually assaulting somebody, um, or being charged with sexual assault. He wasn't charged. Um, he was charged. The charges was dropped. Mm, okay. Um, he told the Toronto radio station Friday that he was naive not to disclose a withdrawn sexual assault charge in the prelude to the September federal election but offered no suggestion that he would resign in the face of continued criticism from constituents. He said, I want to apologize to the people of Spadina, Fort York. I want to apologize to the Prime Minister and my former Liberal colleagues. I regret not disclosing the charge that was withdrawn. I want to apologize also to the people who supported me for embarrassing them. I had let them down, and I was naive. He then declined an interview request from CBC News, saying in the email he would prefer the News Talk interview to speak for itself. The, o- the only thing is, and I know this is, uh, I'm normally not for election, like extra elections, but this was essentially a misleading election. If the people of, what, Spadina, Fort York? Yeah. If they want him in, they should get another chance fully informed. There should be another election here, I think. I agree, yeah, by election, 100%. And he can run in it, and if he wins, fine, he's in. But this was discovered yeah. too late in the in the process, and and I don't think the voters were fully informed, and that's that's not fair to I anyone. Mean, they weren't. I was calling this riding the day after this happened, um, which was two days before the election, and I spoke to people, and I was like, uh, you know, hey, calling for the NDP, and they'd say, sorry, I'm liberal, and I'd be like, about that, and they were like, I hadn't heard this, even though it had technically been a news story for three days that the campaign had been halted. It wasn't dropped till two days before the election. The Liberals didn't drop him till two days before the election. It had been halted for the investigation. So even though it had been a story for like two, three days, people didn't know. No. And people had already voted. Advanced Yeah, voted. advanced polls and everything. That's what I'm saying. That's the, that's the main reason I think in this particular case... That, I mean, I don't know if there's any... I mean, I guess there's no way that you can say this is null and void because the people weren't informed when they voted. Parliament can kick him out. And then Simple that, majority vote, they can fire him. And then that triggers a by-election? Mm-hmm. I, yes. I, I, feel like, I feel like a by-election is needed here. He can run in it. I have no problems with him running in it. If those people, you know, if those people in that area want him in, fine. But it was just all too close. It just happened all too late for me. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. Sorry, you keep going. I'm letting the dogs in. Ah. <laughs> uh, well, let's see. What's what's a good segue? Uh, no segue. So we're going to jump something else. Um, this was kind of a troubling story. And, you know, Northern Stories always strike close to my heart because of our time living in the Northwest Territories. So this is actually Northwest Territories. Um, the last walk-in clinic in the entire territory of the Yukon 
closed down recently. Um, seems a bit odd. Yeah, and the wait list to get a family doctor is currently two years long and growing. Which means this has led to you, Connors, who want, like, some basic medical treatment um, that you would normally go to a walk-in clinic for or a family doctor. They have no option now but to go to the emergency room. Yeah, and that's a big issue. I, well, we talked about this issue when I had to go to a walk-in and yeah. couldn't. I mean, emergency, yeah. Emergency, emergency gets overrun. logged up I, enough. And covid yeah, we don't need people going in for, like, walk-in clinic issues. Like, when we went, because I had that bruise on my chin, and you and Mom thought it was a hickey. Uh, I remember the time we went, because you had a bruise on your chin, and we didn't know what it was, so we were concerned, and it was from you sucking on a cup. Yes, exactly. And the first thing that happened was I walked into your and Mom's room, and you said, is that a hickey on your chin? And I was 11, and I said, what's a hickey? Yeah, no, okay, well, that's... So we didn't know what it was, so we were concerned. Yes. <laughs> so we took you to the walk-in, and he's like, uh, have you sucked on a cup? Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, or whatever, a hangnail, or whatever. There's so many things that you can go to your family doctor or walk-in for. And this is one of those things where I know at some point in time, and I don't know if it's still the case, where, but when, when you... Uh, you know, if you were if you were immigrating and you were a doctor, uh, you could get in a lot faster if you were willing to go Northern Ontario, Yukon, Northwest Territories, places like that. And yeah. I feel like that's a good thing. Send them up. But you have to spend so many years up there. Yes. I, I think that's a good thing, too. I also think, you know, um, who is it? Uh, Mom's cousin's husband, who's a doctor who came from Germany and has to go to medical school again? Yeah, he was. Uh, he came over from Germany and met met mom's cousin, and and they got married. And if they're listening, which they probably aren't, to be honest, but it's just in case I might get some details wrong. But and I apologize. But um, so so he came over here originally on like a swap at Sick Kids. He's like, I'm pretty sure he's a pediatric pediatric oncologist which has to be the toughest toughest job in medicine i think Mm -hmm. so uh he came over here for that on on like a exchange so he came in as a full-blown like expert in his field doctor yeah and uh so then he he met mom's cousin and, and they got married and he decided to stay here and 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 now he's not qualified yeah and that's ridiculous. Now, I understand maybe not having like a blanket of like, yeah, we um, recognize the medical doctorates from every country in the world. But I, I can even I, see an equivalency test, even an equivalency year in a hospital yeah. where you're peer reviewed. Yeah, but going I, to school I, I, for three years is ridiculous. I think there, there should be a way to expedite that. Like, you come in, you take a test. If you can pass the test, great, you're a doctor. And if you don't, well, you need to go to school. Like, a standards test. Or 
Well, and I, I, I don't know. I think there should be some sort of peer review because with the doctor, I'd rather have him. I mean, you know, I think you could pass a test and still be a pretty bad doctor. Possibly, yeah. Something, I don't know. I don't mind like a year sort of peer review. Well, you know what I mean? Whatever, whatever. But definitely not, you know, going through internship again. That's silly. Yeah, because I think that would... Well, A, it would help us more doctors. And B, I think it would attract more immigrating doctors. And then put them up in uh, places like the Yukon and Northwest Territories where they need doctors. Yeah, because this is ridiculous. Nowhere in Canada should you have to go, and again, this comes back to what we've talked about before, healthcare should be federal, but you should not have to go to an emergency room for some basic medical care. In Yellowknife, Mom just read and told me the other day, in Yellowknife, they don't have enough doctors for uh, people giving birth. So you have to go to Edmonton for your labor. Not surprised. Insane. It's insane. It is insane. It it is ridiculous. Or but, there's a lot of people giving birth in Yellowknife. I don't know. It's been COVID. But, <laughs> people have been home, so it could be <laughs> could be birth rates are through the roof. I don't know, but I'm, it's crazy. But, I mean, I just feel like this pandemic has really shown the huge cracks in our federal in our healthcare system that is at the provincial territorial level. Yeah, absolutely. It's still a million times better than other options, but. Could be better still. Why not keep improving? Yeah. Continuous improvement. Why not? That's something I feel like we suck at in Canada is like we've kind of settled with how things are because like at least it's better than the States. But like, yeah. why not be better? If that's if that's the bar. It's not a high bar. Yeah. Did you see the States for the first time was added to the list of backsliding democracies? No. Yeah. Well, um, well, not surprising. Yeah, no, not surprising it's at all. It's been a rough couple of years down there. I'm sure they'll pull it together, but it's been a rough couple of years. Yeah, it's been a rough, you know, five, six, seven decade. No, no, that's not true. The, the Obama years were pretty decent. The Obama presidency years were decent, but two years in when the Republicans took control of Congress, there's some shady practices that I think were exacerbated by Trump, but certainly didn't start in Trump. No, no, they didn't start in Trump. Trump is a symptom, not the not the Exactly. Disease. So so I would say about two years into the Obama presidency is when things started to slide back. Actually, it, you know what? It goes back a long time. It goes back... Like, you've Bush? seen... Uh, Goes back to at least Ch- yeah Bush Cheney, yeah like, at least Bush Cheney. You might you could probably trace it back, back to Reagan. Yeah, it goes back. Like the start was Reagan. That then, you know, but, like I feel like, and then the next peak was Bush Cheney, Cheney, which then shot it to Trump. Cheney got so many powers moved from the presidency to the vice presidency that was a big issue. And then the gerrymandering was mostly in that sort of Bush Cheney era where it really yeah. went hog wild. And then and then early Mitch McConnell years where, you know, it was just well, I mean you you read that Obama book with me. And and yeah. and I think the turning the real turning point, the real, real turning point was one of some senator or some yeah, senator 
like booed Obama or said something out loud when Obama was giving a speech and essentially and then like apologize like he apologized and the Republicans apologized stuff like that but his numbers went up yeah his donations yeah his donations went up so that's when they realized why are we playing by the rules we can get we can skip the rules yeah and that's what really what turned it I think yeah it it it's it was a bad situation. Um, anyway, uh, Nunavut just chose their next premier. Um, the Legislative Assembly in Nunavut, same as Northwest Territories, they don't use a party system. Um, they just elect a bunch of MLAs, and then some of the MLAs put forward themselves for premier, and then the MLAs from amongst themselves elect a premier, right? Who then appoints a cabinet. Um. And a man. It's a shocking that everybody doesn't just get one vote every single time. Oh, we'll have to do it again. (laughs) Yeah. Um, A a man named, and I'm going to butcher his last name, and I apologize because he's most certainly listening. Um, (laughs) Most certainly. Huge, none of it following. Yeah. All seven people. Actually, everybody in Nunavut is elected to the Legislative Assembly (laughs) because that's the population. That's the population. Um, anyway, PJ Akigok was chosen as the next premier during um, an, a, the first session uh, held last Wednesday. He was voted in by 22 peers in the assembly. He beat former premier Joe Savitak, a longtime MLA, and uh, minister, former minister Lauren Kusukak. Um, he's now the territory's sixth premier since 1999. Um, when the territory was created. Aggie Cook is now is 37, becoming Canada's youngest current premier, though not the youngest premier in that none of us seen. Uh, that was Paul Ogaklik, who took the helm in 1999 at age 34. Well, good luck. Yeah. You know, NWT's really capitalized on a lot of mining in that, and I feel like there's got to be stuff in none of it. And and it, admittedly, it's a lot more difficult when there's no cities even like Yellowknife size anywhere. Yeah. So there's no real reason to go there. But yeah, they gotta if they want to grow. I think that's their biggest area of Option. potential growth. Yeah. I was thinking about this just as I was describing this consensus government thing. I um. That would never work in one of the provinces, eh? It would never like four years ago. No. You wouldn't have a, You wouldn't have a premier. Four years later, they wouldn't no. have decided. I, I, I think there are. I mean, it would just wouldn't work in the provinces. I'm not saying we should expand this. I think there's something to be said about just electing a bunch of independents who can just use their best judgment and not be holden to a party line. Yeah, they aren't really independent, though, are they? But. Uh, no, no, and they certainly I have I mean, I'm their... independent, but my signs are all red and white, and they have, like... <laughs> yes, but then, like, if something comes up where they would disagree with the party that they might be in, they don't, they're, they'll be holding. Yeah, except for they won't um, be able to use those signs next time. Yeah. But the problem is I don't like that the people don't have a say in who their premier is. Well, I mean, they kind of do. It's going to be one of the ten people that get elected. Yeah, but in writings of a couple hundred people, 
you know, it's one of the one of the I think it's like twenty five people who get elected, but no, it's more than twenty five. I think it's like fifty. Sure, it's one of the fifty who get elected, but what if? But that person was only elected in one riding, which I guess is true for anyone. Yeah, but you don't have a leaders debate. You know, like somebody might vote liberal federally based on the leader. You know, it might be like, I want this person to run the country or to run the country or run the province. Yeah, I don't I think I think in the I think I like it and I think you send your best option for your riding to the to the legislative assembly and I I also think it's not I mean it's a premier but it's not quite the same because they weren't well, they they were elected, so yeah, it's you know, that's all right. I don't have a problem with it. You don't know that the person you elect is going to be premier, but who cares? Yeah, you know they're going to look um, out for you. It's just a bonus if they're the premier. Yeah, all right, that's fair. I feel like I'm taking a long time, and I'm not even halfway done, so I'm going to expedite some of these. Yeah, we're at fifty-two minutes. Oh wow! Okay, quick, quick. Um, the U.S. is considering a diplomatic boycott of the Beijing Olympics, and if they do, there is pressure for Canada to do the same. No, no, we got to go when they boycott, so we win more medals. <laughs> I um, is this winter? You yeah, we're going. Winter. We're not boycotting the winter. I don't knock yourself out. And I'm kind of for boycotting China, but no. Plus, the NHLers are going, and that is the best hockey out there. So. No, we're not boycotting. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I, I also see boycotting China. And there's something to be said with not boycotting and maybe trying to repair a relationship with China so that we can maybe push them in a more democratic direction. Yeah, they seem easily pushed. Uh, yeah, definitely. China's known for being cooperative. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, we can't. Boycotting the summer, fine. It would literally make no difference Doesn't to matter. our metal count. Doesn't matter. <laughs> well, we're there or not, nobody cares. <laughs> um. But winter, we win the Winter Olympics sometimes. Yeah. Like, like most times. We will, if the States either. isn't there, we'll probably win the Winter Olympics. I mean, we, you know, we, we've been beating them in the Winter Olympics since Vancouver, even when they oh, are there. I know, there. but so if they're not there, we, we lose we'll occasional medals to them. So if they're not there, we'll get those mo- more medals. So. Yeah, we'll clean house. Yeah. So that's when we have to go. Yeah, absolutely. But we should definitely encourage the U.S. to boycott. Yeah, you guys should. You guys should stay home. <laughs> and to be yeah. honest, they're probably the biggest threat to Canada winning gold in hockey. Yeah. You guys should stay home. You're right. You should say, Russia, Russia should join you. Yes, that's right. You and Russia should both stay home. <laughs> yeah. We'll go and just make sure nothing shady happens. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do that for you. We'll take that. We'll take the hit. You guys... Defenders of international and diplomacy, or whatever you wanted to stop. Leader of the free world, you've done that for a while. Take a break. We've got this one. Right. <laughs> um, but that says something then, about the IOC too. Like, how about we don't give it to oppressive regimes that you know are committing genocide against certain amounts of their people? But well, I mean, I, I think. Right. What is that group being, that they're killing off? The, the Muslims, the Uyghur Muslims. The Uyghurs, yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's in the name of like 
international cooperation and nonpartisanship, but I feel like genocide shouldn't be a partisan issue. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hmm. That should almost disqualify you from getting an Olympic Games. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Just a thought. <laughs> That's the bar. If you're not committing genocide, then you'll be considered. Yeah. Well, there's there's a big list. That's just one of the things. So the <laughs> genocide is a negative. So yeah. that's going to be held against you. But but you have a great facility. Yeah. yeah. Which... You're going to give us a lot of kickbacks. So, you know, we can, we can turn a blind eye to the whole yeah. killing of the Uyghurs. <laughs> Terrible. Um, brief international story. India's, oh, no, 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 no. One more Canada story. Um, Canada's being urged to put more weight behind a Ukraine-NATO bid to stop a Russian buildup. Um, buildup of uh, what? Sorry? Buildup of what? Plaque? No. No, like the, with all the whole Crimea thing, you know, they're building up at the border, their military. Oh, okay. A part of me is like, yes. Bring in Ukraine, check Russia's power, bring them into NATO. Another part of me is like, I don't want to go to war with Russia and start World War Three. They have nukes. Yeah. So, I feel like I have to stand on principle and say, yes, we should bring Ukraine into NATO and expedite it. And by expedite it, I mean, I feel like they've been, uh, it's a 13 year campaign and I feel like that's long enough. <laughs> like you want to be a part of NATO for 13 years okay you can come in um, and and I don't think it would actually start a war because I don't think Putin thinks he can take on NATO oh I don't know have you seen him on a horse <laughs> I would love to see him shirtless on a horse charging into battle <laughs> um, yeah uh yeah, it's in. I mean, why? Not? I mean, they should probably be in NATO, I guess. But I mean, like, uh, I would rather have them in NATO than as a Russian puppet state. Yeah, unless they already are, and they just wanted NATO to know our secrets. NATO's, yeah, I don't think NATO so. secrets. <laughs> did you, did uh, you see the uh, John Oliver where? Where one guy was fleeing, one of the January 6th guys was fleeing the states to avoid prosecution and he went to Belarus? Yes. And it's like, what? <laughs> the one country over there that like says it's run by a dictator. The yeah. most powerful dictator. <laughs> what are you doing? The last dictator in Europe. Yeah. That's what he calls himself. Yeah. Why? Like, it is, and it's true. Why would you go? If you're going to go anyway, maybe he's Belarusian, but I'm just, that's crazy. Anyway, sorry. That was a... Sidetrack. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I think we should support Ukraine. Um, they make great pierogies. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think they're called petahay in, in the Ukraine. <laughs> I believe. I don't know. I think Polish is pierogi and Ukraine is called petahay. Same thing, more or less. I'll probably... I'm sure we'll get tons of email from all our Ukrainian and uh, Polish listeners to tell us the difference. But near as I can tell, to my Canadian palate, they're pretty much the same. But very tasty. Yes, very tasty indeed. 
Um, India's Prime Minister Narendra. It's not Polish, Sorry? though. It's not Polish. Is it? What? Uh, what? Uh, uh, pierogies? Pierogies. Is that Pol- it's not Polish? Polish. Are they? Okay. What's what's Uncle Derek? Polish. Okay, then it's Polish. Yeah. All right. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. Next. India's Prime Minister Narendra Modi said Friday his government will withdraw the controversial agriculture laws that prompted year-long protests from tens of thousands of farmers who have been camped on the outskirts of New Delhi since November of last year to demand the withdrawal of the laws, which they feared would dramatically reduce their incomes. <laughs> The decisions. How do you reduce next to nothing? <laughs> um, the decision came ahead of key elections in states like um, Uttar Pradesh and Punjab. Um, PM Modi said in a televised address, while apologizing to the nation, I want to say with a sincere and pure heart that maybe something was lacking in our efforts that we could not explain the truth to some of our farmer brothers. Which... I feel like it's saying, I want to say, from the bottom of my heart, you were too stupid to understand that these laws were good. <laughs> like, what kind, of, what kind of apology is that? It's a poor apology, but, you know, but I, good for them, I guess, standing up to the government and getting them to back down. I hope it works out for them. They already, to be honest, I, I know... You know, some of the some of the people I worked with, parents were farmers, and 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 when I say they made next to nothing, I mean they made next to nothing as a farmer. So, you know, hopefully they keep earning that, maybe more. <laughs> Raise would be nice. Yeah, I um, I was happy to see this because it's good, but if it's good, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what the laws were, I don't so... understand them. I don't remember them, but this has been a long because it's been a you know years long protest. But I read the predicted effects ages ago, and I remember it sounding bad. Um, but selfishly, you know, I don't like Modi. I think he's an uh, Indian Trump essentially. Um, and uh, this thing might have killed his next election chances. Uh, so I kind of wish it had stayed in until a new, better government could have repealed it, but uh, perhaps that would have just made prolonged suffering, and this is better. Probably. Um, Biden uh, went under anesthesia for about 90 minutes during a colonoscopy. Oh. Um, (laughs) uh, The president's butt makes national news. Um, Did they release this, the video? Uh, no. Um, uh, this was during a routine checkup. His doctor said Biden so, is fit for duty. Kamala but Harris showing was some in... signs of aging. I think <laughs> those signs are his face. <laughs> did, did Camilla, was Camilla Harris in charge for 90 minutes? Well, that's the other reason. Biden transferred presidential power to Kamala Harris um, for the 90 minutes, making her the first woman to hold such power. Well, that's cool. That is cool. Um, Does the I, next, I think the, the best line though is still fit for duty but showing some signs of aging yeah that's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> no kidding it's like you needed to look up his butt to see that and body is the sign that he's aging how about just his age how about his birth certificate <laughs> the year that he was born yeah that's a sign of his aging he's like 80 or something <laughs> 
<laughs> he had a birthday recently. That was the another yeah. sign of his AJ. Yeah. Um, Manhattan Judge Ellen Bibbin dismissed the convictions of two of the men convicted of Malcolm X's assassination. Muhammad Aziz and the late Khalil Islam. Oh, were the two men. Uh, prosecutors and the men's lawyers said a renewed investigation found new evidence that the men were not involved with the killing and determined that authorities withheld some of what they knew. The men had maintained their innocence from the start. Um, it's a big deal for Muhammad Aziz, less for the less for Khalil Islam, who is dead. Um, I don't think he cares as much. His family but probably his family will. Is happy. Sorry? I'm sure his family will. I mean, his family is happy that his name is cleared, plus I'm sure there'll be some sort of settlement. Yes. Um, so if they're innocent, that's good. And uh, I don't know, but presumably they are. So, great. Who did assassinate him? I would like to know. <laughs> well, two. it said um, two of the men, so I'm assuming there's still a bunch of them that got convicted of it. Yeah, fair. Um, so last week we talked about Paul Gosar, the Republican representative who posted a video of... Him chopping off uh, AOC's, AOC's head, head or something? Yeah. yeah. Like, his face plastered onto an anime scene. It's not like they went through the whole yeah, yeah. process. of Anyway, um, the House of Representatives censured him, um, yeah. which means he's off all his committees. Um, Republican minority leader Kevin McCarthy called the vote an abuse of power by Democrats to distract from national problems. He said of the censure that a, quote, new standard will continue to be applied in the future, a signal of potential ramifications for Democratic members in future Congress. Who put um, their faces on animes of killing other congressmen. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure they'll well, all be able to... I'm sure nobody has an issue with that bar. Well, that's the... I mean, now when Republicans are back in power... They're just going to quote this as precedent in situations that are nothing like this. Likely. Like, that's what's going to happen. And this has happened before uh, when um, Nancy Pelosi refused to accept some of Kevin McCarthy's recommendations for the January 6th committee. Yeah. And they're like, well, this is a precedent. Like, that's their big threat. You know, like, even Mitch McConnell... In the Senate, when we talk about ending the filibuster, he's like, well, if you start just changing the rules, then we'll start just changing the rules. But they do that anyway. Yeah, no, exactly. This is what I don't understand about the Democrats is they take those threats seriously. Then the Republicans come in, do whatever the hell they want, change all the rules. And like even this infrastructure bill, it was so important that it be called bipartisan. Really? Why? Why do you want it no, to be called bipartisan? Call it the Democratic Infrastructure Bill and let everybody know in the country that the Republicans did not want this. They fought tooth and nail yeah. against this. This is our yeah. bill for you. I, why why I, do you want to call it bipartisan and give all these people that fought you credit? I don't understand. It, it, it's like the Democrats think if they treat the Republicans nicely, they will be treated nicely. Yeah. And that's just not been the case for a decade. And I'm so not I'm talking not... about nice or not nice. I think you should treat people nicely. It's, it's treat people like you want to be treated regardless of how they treat you. Uh, to some extent, obviously. But but then 
you can you don't need to go out of your it's not it's not nice it's going out of your way to you know what i mean like call like they went out of their way to call this a bipartisan bill yes uh, and by by treat nicely i just mean like well if we follow the rules then the republicans will follow the rules no they won't they won't um it's ridiculous and i kind of agree with what bernie sanders said back when the democrats took the senate by saying like listen if the republicans want to work with us great but we shouldn't let them hold us back yeah absolutely well it's not unfortunately it wasn't them it was two democrats yes oh joe manchin and kristen cinema you know they call uh they call they call the republicans in name only rhinos they need what is it uh, dinos dinos? (laughs) that could be applied to most democrats they're all kind of up there and i think that's one of the problems is that so many of the Democrats in the Senate have been there forever and they think it still operates by the like same rules as it did yeah. in the 90s. Well, they should when get rid of their flip debates. phones and join the times. Yeah. Did you see well, Stephen? Sorry, go ahead. The oldest Democratic Senator, Patrick Leahy, who's been uh, the senator from Vermont since um, Jimmy Carter won the presidency. Um uh, said he's not running in uh, 2022. Because he can't run. <laughs> he's walking. Physical and capable. So, uh, you know, Vermont's a solid Democratic seat. Um, not that that means they should just not try, because we saw what happened in, uh, you know, Obama's, Obama's presidency in, yeah, in Rhode- Massachusetts. Yeah, Massachusetts. Uh, they were like, solid Democratic seat, and then a Republican won it. So that doesn't mean... Don't pay attention to Vermont, but they should still win it. And it will hopefully be another younger. It's got to be. It's not going to be older. <laughs> well, I don't know. The other senator from Vermont is Bernie Sanders. <laughs> like, yeah, but still, this guy's like, what, 94 or something? <laughs> Patrick Lay's in his 80s. Oh, okay. So you think um, it's going to be someone in their 90s that replaces him? Could be. Did you um, see the... They just elected their oldest president ever. Yeah. Did you see the... What's his name? Getz, the Florida congressman, talk about that? No. A video? Oh, he's like, well, I don't... I'm not a big anime fan, but last time, you know, I have people tell me, and I believe them, that it's not real. It's like, shut up. <laughs> Not the point. Not the point at all. <laughs> and that's something that the D- Republicans are good at, distracting from the point. Yeah. Um, anyway, the vote to censure Paul Gosser went almost entirely upon party lines, with the exceptions of Republicans Liz Cheney and Adam Kitzinger, who are always the exceptions, um, and almost belong to a separate party at this point. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Uh, Gossar is the fourth rep to be censured in 40 years. It's not something often handed out. It's the most severe punishment the House has the power to give. He's only the 24th ever. And, and I think this is important, the first since Democrats censured their own representative for misconduct 10 years ago. Which means I don't think you can really call this a double standard at all. No. Um, anyway, I didn't actually watch the speech, but... Um, 
Kevin McCarthy, in response to this, gave the longest speech uh, in, in House history, in the history of the House of Representatives. He gave the longest speech, and he apparently ranted like an insane person. Not shocked. No. It's like, you know, like, look up the, go watch the Stephen, was it Stephen Metz? Is that what it is? The guy that was charged with uh, having sex with minors or something like that? Or not charged. Oh, Matt Gates. Gates, yeah, Gates. Yeah, Matt Gates, yeah. Yeah. So hey, go look at his response to it. Like, it's just, shut up. Yeah. Um, a federal judge on Wednesday sentenced the U.S. Capitol rioter, nicknamed the QAnon Shaman, who the guy who went shirtless with the Ramhorns, yeah. um, to 41 months in prison for his role in the deadly January 6th attack Um by former President Trump's followers. We know that. Did you hear Stephen um, Colbert's take on that? No. He said something like, it's hard to find a jury of his peers when a Renaissance fair is in town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and a prosecutor said asked the U.S. District Judge Royce Lamberth to impose a longer 51-month sentence um, because the guy had pleaded guilty in September. Um, but... Uh, the judge said he believed Chansley, the QAnon shaman, 34, had done a lot to convince the courts that he is, quote, on the right track. While in detention, Chansley was diagnosed by prison officials with transient schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, depression, and anxiety. Um, when he entered his guilty plea, Chansley said he was disappointed Trump had not pardoned him. Huh. The, actually, it wasn't Stephen Colbert, it was Seth Meyers. Ah, okay. If he's disappointed he didn't get pardoned then he doesn't sound sorry but anyway he doesn't sound like he knows trump that well uh and then the, one of the biggest stories was kyle rittenhouse the uh wisconsin teen um who uh during some of the blm protests drove into michigan and shot some people um was found not guilty in his trial claiming self-defense, which is the magic card in the U.S. when it comes to shootings. Yeah, as long as you killed the person, you can almost always get away with that. Yeah. It's if and they don't say, die, then then there's issues. But as long as you kill them, you're pretty good with self-defense. And But, like, I just think it's so silly because I, I don't think you can claim self-defense when you, a 17-year-old, grab your... AR-15 and get your mom to drive you 40 minutes to a different state in a different to a different city in a different state where you don't live into an area that you know is tumultuous and you've grabbed your gun and went out of your way to go there what were you planning to do yeah and and the thing is this was set up for uh for an innocent verdict with where they where they actually held the trial and everything it was all and that, it, it was never going to be guilty. No, the judge was sympathetic to him. Um, and, anyway, and to be honest, news. I don't. I, I I feel like I feel sorry for the kid. Like I, like, I, I don't. I think he was seventeen. He's young. I think he was. I think he was probably, you know, uh, not not used, but uh, you know, he, he's just. I don't know if it's the family that that led him in that direction that he felt that's the right way to go or if he's 
or if it's a friends or whatever, but like, you know. All I can say is that I knew not to shoot people by 17. Yeah, but obviously, I mean, this is what I'm saying. So what, what, where in his upbringing did it go so far off the rails? Like yeah, but still can't only you just 17. say that for anyone who commits a crime? Well, it was his upbringing. Well, no, I mean, at some point, I don't think you can anymore. You know, you're an adult. I'm not sure 17 is that age. You're pretty young at 17. Very impressionable. Yeah. I don't think he was in a group of other 17-year-olds either. I think he was with a bunch of adults. And, like, his mom drove him there with a gun. Like, it just all seems... Uh, I don't know. It seems very dodgy. Yeah. The whole thing yeah, just seems think... sad. Like, from every aspect, it's sad. I don't, there's no... There's no winners there. Yeah. Another news, Kyle Rittenhouse preemptively declared the Republican presidential nominee in 2040. <sighs> um, okay, and then the other thing... Um, there's so many stories around this, so I feel like there's not one to point to, but uh, Kamala Harris's vice presidency has been a disaster. Yeah, well, yeah, the whole presidency hasn't been great. But I, I, I think that's mostly due to the Senate holding up some of the stuff. But, uh, you know, what you hear of in, in the vice presidency office is, like, dysfunction, lack of focus from her staff, poor communication, um, like Kamala Harris being sidelined, and... Uh, I haven't really heard much from her. Sorry? I haven't heard much from her. You're right. Well, I, I, it's... it's uh, and then, like, it's never a good sign when the White House has to come out and say she's a key partner. Um, you know, and then some of her aides are like, well, she's being set up to look bad. They're not giving her tasks that play to her strength. You're the vice president. Yeah, who's giving like, you tasks? There's only one person that can give you tasks. Yeah, and, and sorry, like, not, well, it's not my fault I'm not doing well. It's not playing to my strengths. You're the vice president. You're not allowed to have weaknesses. <laughs> like, Well, everybody has weaknesses, but... No, I know everybody has there's weaknesses. There's also only but, one person that can give her tasks, and she probably has a lot of say on what tasks she can take. So it, yes. it's kind of on her if she's not getting stuff that's to her strengths. Yeah, well, that and and by, by like you're not allowed to have weaknesses. I, I didn't mean like, of course, everybody doesn't. Even presidents are going to be better at one thing than another. But you're the vice president. You've been given a job and it's your job to do that well. And if it's not your strength, make it your strength. And also, and the other thing is you just have to surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. And, and that's hard for a lot of people to do. Yeah. So it, it, it's a shame. And I mean, especially since this is the woman who is supposed to be the next president, right? Yeah, it's trouble. That's trouble. I don't know that she's going to win the next nomination. No. Maybe Bernie. <laughs> I don't think he'll run again. He can't run. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, now I have just a few more. That's everything I had prepared for last week. I know we don't have long, but I think there's some important stuff to get to from this week, so I just want to go through it quickly. Um, there's been stuff going on in BC around the Wet'suwet'en indigenous groups. Um, 
protesting a pipeline. Uh, the RCMP went in to um, uh, break up the protests. Uh, lot, 15 more people were arrested, including a key leader um, in the fight against the coastal gasoline pipeline, as well as two journalists. Um, as police action has continued, uh, 29 people were arrested over two days. Um, they broke down the door at a, the RCMP broke down the door at an assistance camp that has occupied the key work site for coastal gasoline pipeline since September 25th. Um, uh, this, um, the protesters are saying that this is going through indigenous land and indigenous people were not, uh, properly consulted as is legally required. Um, it's very reminiscent of the Oka crisis, um, although it has not gripped the nation as much. Uh, the um, Supreme Court uh, Oh, sorry, I, I'm misreading. Uh, Anyway, the, the NDP government in British Columbia has sided with the RCMP. Um, the, they have the power to stop this and are, and are basically choosing not to. Like, they can shut down the pipeline until it's proper consulting. Um, and, uh, but instead, they're, they're siding with the RCMP against the protesters there's been a lot of violence against protesters, um, and it's leading to uh, some internal uh, fighting among the uh, NDP um, members, former members of the Alberta NDP. Um, the former leader of the Alberta NDP um, called out the British Columbia NDP for um, mismanaging it, and uh, as did uh, federal MPs, including Heather McPherson. Um, and I know that a lot of people are abandoning the NDP, like members, because of this, um, because the federal NDP is refusing to condemn the provincial branch. Uh, and I mean, yeah, I have to say I, I side with um, the protesters, if, especially if they weren't properly consulted, as is legally required. Um, I think that the government should intervene and stop the police violence. Yeah, I definitely need to look into it more before I'd comment on something like that. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, it's just, it's a bad situation. And I, hate I, I, you do expect the, you do expect the NDP to side with, you know, typically the left over business in, in cases even that are sort of split down the middle for the for so for the for them to side with the RCMP leads me to believe that they're probably not far off base. Like just because well, it's an NDP government is the only reason I'm saying that. But I don't but know. I don't thing. know. I'd, I'd have to look into it. I have no idea. Uh, maybe except that members of the federal NDP and other provincial wings of the NDP are siding with protesters. NBC it's a lot easier to do when you're not when you're not really affected, though. But yeah, but but um, you know, it is BC politics is kind of screwy. You know, their liberals are conservatives, and their NDP, while not all the way to liberals, are 
closer to liberals than the rest of the country's NDP. Yeah, I don't know. like I said, I don't, I don't, I haven't really followed that story much, so I don't know what's going on. Yeah, that's a, it's not being reported a lot, but I think it's a huge thing that's happening. I don't know why it's not being reported a lot. Yeah. Um. Anyway, today the the throne speech happened for the first new government, and um, the Liberal government is promising to bring the pandemic to an end while building the economy, fighting climate change, rolling out new childcare deals with the provinces, and pursuing reconciliation with Indigenous people. Sounds like Oprah's days of giveaways. It sounds like the last throne speech, and the one before that, and the one before that. No, there was no pandemic the one before that, was there? Uh, there was in 2000, there was a pandemic in the previous throne speech, yeah. There's been three but not the one before that. speeches? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, last one, what? no. Yeah, no, it's... Uh... What absolutely we're gonna bring the pandemic to an end? Like that's a it's stupid, a global pandemic. That is a stupid thing to say in a throne speech. We single handedly will end the world's pandemic. Yeah. Okay. Good luck, Justin. Yeah, but best of luck on that. Like listen, you can make it better in Canada, but you're not ending the pandemic. I mean you know, uh, uh, yeah. It's you can't even. You probably can't even end it in Canada. You can make it better. Is the best you can do. Yeah. We hope to make it better. That's all you can do. That's all you can say. We have yeah. plans in place that we believe will reduce the pandemic in Canada. Yeah. That's about all you can say. Um, the government will also strengthen action to prevent and prepare for floods, wildfires, droughts, coastal erosion, and other extreme weather worsened by climate change. Big walls uh, on the coast. Sorry. Big walls on each coast. Yeah. Or you know, just a thought, and especially as we're spending so much, and maybe you should find some areas to cut. Uh, stop subsidizing oil companies. The federal government doesn't subsidize a whole lot of oil companies, though, do they? Eh, billions of dollars. Yeah, that's not that much. Uh, speaking of, unprecedented storm moves over southwestern Newfoundland. It's almost eerily similar to what's happened to BC, says meteorologist. So the, the, the moral here is move inland. Yeah. Move inland, do nothing, and then you're on coastal property. That's right. It's going to be the coast soon. Oh. <laughs> uh. For me, this is my first time seeing a rainstorm like this. It's almost eerily similar to kind of what happened in BC just a few weeks ago with the atmospheric river just pumping lots of moisture into the air, said Veronica Sullivan of Environment Canada's weather office in Gander. Oh, God. Depressing. Um, you should have said that with okay. a Gander accent. <laughs> um, Canada struggling to meet refugee target number for 2021. Canada is nowhere near meeting its goal of welcoming 81,000 refugees by the end of 2021, according to numbers obtained by CBC News. Um, I don't think Canada's struggling. I think we're just, like, struggling implies effort that is fruitless. I was under the impression that there's a bit of a refugee crisis going on for the past seven or eight years in Europe and uh, the Middle East. So I feel like we're not struggling we're just not doing it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, there's definitely people that want to come to Canada, but on the other hand, you can't just 
have a million people all of a sudden move in. You have there has to be a process, but there's probably the the issue. I'm sure the issue is is COVID and getting in butts and seats in offices and you know getting the paperwork done in a timely manner and things like that. Yeah, but also we just didn't start Parliament for two months after an election. Was that because of COVID as well? Or at least was, did they say that was because of COVID? Parliament doesn't yeah. have much to do with it, to be honest. <laughs> it's mostly, like, on, like Justin doesn't go through this paperwork and, like, sign off on each one. No, but, well, yeah, okay. Uh, last week talked about Ethiopia and their current civil war. Um, Ethiopia's prime minister said he will lead his country's army from the battlefront beginning awesome. Tuesday. Today. That's like that's a throwback, right? That's like Napoleonic that's, or something. When was the last time like the prime minister was out there on like the king? Like that's like you know medieval times out there on the yeah. horse leading the charge. Good for him. What, right or wrong time. side? Good for him. <laughs> this is a time when leading a country with martyrdom is needed. This is uh, this is a Nobel Peace Prize winner. So he's on the revolutionary side? No, he's on the government side. Oh, I thought the government was the bad side. Could be. Well, he won the Peace Prize. The president of apartheid South Africa got a Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, They just give them away in Cracker Jack boxes these days. (laughs) Um, So the rival Tigray forces are moving closer to the capital as government declared a state of emergency. An estimated tens of thousands... Don't say it estimated and follow up by a generalization. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not... Tens of thousands is an estimate. Yeah. 100% on its own. Tens of thousands is an estimate. Yeah. You don't need to say... It's just redundant. Yeah, it is. Anyway, tens of thousands of people have been killed in the war. Um, and allied forces and fighters from the country's northern Tigray region. This is the second most populous country in Africa... Um, a statement by the Prime Minister Hey Hey Dogs It's not say exactly where he will go Tuesday um, But he said let's meet at the battlefront Is that a bar In Ethiopia <laughs> Could be Um. So yeah It uh that's wild. Yeah. I, whenever we talk about Ethiopia, I just think of, do they know it's Christmas? That just goes through my head all the time. Fair enough. That and the restaurant in Yellowknife. Oh, that was a good oh. restaurant. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, moving over to Sudan, Sudan's military leaders reinstated the deposed PM uh, and say political detainees will be released. The agreement comes after widespread protest against last month's coup. Uh, the prime minister signed a deal with the military on Sunday that will see him reinstated. I'm just going with dogs. But, keep talking. But a key pro-democracy group that has mobilized dozens of protests dismissed the deal as a form of betrayal. Um, the country's top general said that uh, Abdallah Hamduk will lead an independent technocratic cabinet until elections can be held. It remains unclear how much power the government would hold and it would still remain under military oversight. 
It also remains unclear whether all political parties and pro-democracy groups have signed off on the agreement. Um, the coup, more than two years after a popular uprising forcing the removal of longtime autocrat Omar al-Bashir and his Islamist government, has drawn international criticism. And I, like, a part of me understands why some pro-democracy groups would feel betrayed um, by any any deal that has military oversight over the government. Um, but I also feel like I need to praise the PM because it's not often that a deposed prime minister in a military coup manages to negotiate back to a system that will have some form of elections within a few months of being deposed. Like, I feel like that's him still looking after his country. And it's a compromise and it's not perfect, but it it keeps some power, at least, in the hands of the people instead of it being entirely yanked away with from the people by a military and imposing a military junta, like what's happening in Myanmar... I guess that I guess it all depends on what they mean by military oversight. It Yeah. It it, it I, I feel like it at least leaves room to improve later as opposed to an impressive crackdown that would take years to overthrow. Or he's a puppet to the military and it doesn't really change anything from what they are right now. Yeah, possibly. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. Speaking of military oversight, liberals to study plan to move military prosecutors and defense lawyers to civilian justice system. Because right now, the military's justice system is within the military. And I, I mean, I guess we need to study the plan, but my instinct says, yeah, the military should be within the civilian justice system. Absolutely civilian oversight over the military duh is this what where, where's this oh dylan is frozen i'm blaming his internet because you know we, we we're now downtown and have really good internet oh you're back oh you were frozen you were frozen yes. oh what that, country are you talking I about i thought you were the, in Canada. In Canada. Okay. So, yes. I mean, there's always been military justice. Like, there's always been a military court. Right? Yeah. Like, there's... The, the, at least in the... Definitely in the U.S., which is the biggest military, they they have a, their own courts and stuff. Now, you can still be taken outside of that for certain things, but... You know, most things are done in the military court, and and punishments are almost much harsher than 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 uh, from what I know, which is basically just watching a few good men. Yeah. You can't handle yes. the truth. <laughs> um, but like, I also feel like no. Anything should be 
in charge of policing itself. And I know it's not that simple. The military isn't solely like in charge of policing itself. But I, I do think most of it should be moved outside of the military, especially in these cases of sexual misconduct, because, you know, there's going to be less like um, in light of your years of honorable service, which in some cases I can see getting you a lighter sentence on something, but it shouldn't be like, well, yes, you sexually assaulted this woman, but you killed a lot of people really well, so we're going to let you off. Yeah, I think generally, again, this is, I don't know that this is true, it's just how I feel, is that they they view themselves as the moral, moral high ground, so they hold themselves to a higher standard, and they probably okay. get worse punishments within their own courts than they would in civilian courts for things like that. And then for for other things like actual military actions, I'm not sure civilians are equipped to deal with the... Like, I don't think most people understand what the military has to do. Maybe, but I also feel like if we're policing ourselves in, like, overseas things, um, the military... It just makes me nervous to let them have the military in a position where it can let itself get away with crimes against humanity. Yeah, but I don't think they normally do. And I don't think, and I also don't think normally it's, uh, well, listen, I don't think that happens in Canada. I don't think that happens in the States. I think that maybe happens in, you know, like the, the places where they don't care anyway. It absolutely happens in the States. A hundred percent happens in the States. They, Guantanamo Bay, the drone strikes of civilians. Yeah, well, I mean, again, their soldiers, their soldiers uh, have taken pictures of themselves sexually and physically abusing civilians and laughing and yeah, and those should be punished and uh, like they go to trial and get punished and yeah, not really, no, no, no. Obama did not receive a single punishment when he accidentally blew up a civilian wedding in Iraq. Uh, sorry, dogs are going nuts. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, the other thing is, I, it's a, it is a difficult one, and this is why I think you do need some sort of, maybe it needs to be a combination of military and civilian oversight that might be better that might be a better system but but either way i mean we we talk about punishment it's clearly not happening there's a whole sexual misconduct crisis within our military where people are not being held to account and some of our top generals have been uh but guilty it's not like they've been taken to court right no, and that's the problem that's the that's so that's the it doesn't matter what court you're talking about if they aren't being prosecuted but the you, that and that's why you can't trust the any institution to prosecute itself the court system is an institution yeah and it is beholden to the publicly elected legislature yeah i i, I think for i think for military and and maybe take sexual assault off the table because that probably just should be 
in a regular court, I think, regardless, because it doesn't matter where that happens. Yeah. Um, but but other than that, I think it should be. I don't I don't have a problem with most mostly same with the cops. Like you know, like uh, internal affairs investigates first, right, before charges are brought up, and that because they. If you don't live that life, you don't necessarily understand it. They, we ask them to do some very difficult things, and people think they should be perfect, and they aren't. And they're I never going to be. They're never going to be. They're never going to be perfect. Everybody makes mistakes, right? And maybe it means they shouldn't be cops, and they get kicked out of being cops, and that's fine. And maybe you need. And I think I, I think I think the review board does have some is made up of civilians and cops. For the cops, and maybe they need to do something similar for the military. The okay, that's almost that's an entirely separate conversation. But internal affairs uh, in the police system is a joke. Oh, it, if it was a they, joke, then people wouldn't dislike them. The cops wouldn't dislike them. Well, that's the thing. Like it's a it's a useless arm of 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 oversight that people are allowed to just defy. They aren't allowed to defy them. I don't know what you mean. They just don't say anything. They just refuse to reveal any information. There's nothing you can do. Say, I don't know anything. Okay. Well, that has nothing to do with that. That's, that, that's another topic. That's unions being too strong. Yeah. Anyway, I, I want to wrap up because we've been we've been talking for a while. Um, but I have one last last thing. Um, uh, indigenous communities hit hard by the BC floods say they received no warning and are getting little help, which is another area where the BC NDP is failing Indigenous communities. Um, have they gotten fresh BC water is yet? Not, BC has not used the alert ready technology since it became available in 2018. And uh, in this um, um, Cook's Ferry Indian Band Chief Counselor, Christine Minia Barriott, um, said that her community did not receive an alarm or text message before it was flooded. Um, she looked outside, felt that something was wrong. She saw that a river was level with the road and the water was rushing over it in some places. Her concerns confirmed she went back to her community and started telling people to leave. By the time she got back to her office, a group call had been arranged with Emergency Management BC, which was hours after she'd realized the water was too high and had warned people to leave. Wow. I don't know um, why you wouldn't use that. I don't think it costs anything. Uh, at least three indigenous communities affected by the flooding are adding their voices to the chorus who say they were not warned or told to evacuate. Um, Coldwater Indian Band Chief Lise Bahan was left scrambling Monday after not receiving a call. Um, the population, uh, the entire city of Merritt was ordered to evacuate last Monday after flooding caused the failure of the municipality's wastewater treatment plant. And they're still looking for help. No information is being communicated. We're being ignored. We're being pushed aside. We're not getting proper consultation with the city. 
band members are not being heard or being respected and it's a huge frustration i i think these things need you need to look at these things like what would we do if it was vancouver in this case right like what would we do it obviously won't be on the same scale because it won't cost as much because we're talking about smaller communities but whatever you do for vancouver we got to do for these places yeah i agree Right? Whatever you do where... for Toronto, you got to do for these places. I agree. We're all, it's a, we're all Canadians. We're all Canadian. Let's just take care of the people that need to be taken care of. And right now, it's yeah. these people in BC. So let's read whatever it takes, get them back on their feet. You know, that's what we have to do. I agree. And it is a long one. We haven't had one this long in a while. Oh, to be fair, we haven't had one in a while. We're making up for lost time. That's right. You know, I just I, I had a couple things that I've been scrolling here. Oh yes, of course. No, it's all right. And uh, first off, first off, I didn't. I've been, you know, I started a new job that's in a unionized environment, and me. I know I have a bias, but I gotta say, working in this environment has pretty much confirmed all my biases. Unions are of very little use, as far as I can tell. They, they, they discourage, I think they discourage uh, people from working hard. Because why do you need to? Because, it, it, like, for example, if there's overtime, you know who gets it? Not the person who I think will get to be the most productive in that amount of time because they're good and then earn more money for them and their families. The person who has the most seniority gets the first choice. Because that's how the union works. So they've been there longer, so they get to say whether they want to come to work or not. I agree that unions need to be reformed. But I wouldn't say they're useless. Because... They weren't useless. Well, no. Even still, the marked decline of union membership has coincided with the stagnation of wages and people who are members of unions have higher wages than people who aren't. And if unions yeah, I were so John useless... Oliver too. And, if unions were so useless, companies and Republicans wouldn't fight them so hard. Well, I, I'm, I'm not talking about the U.S. I'm talking about Canada. In the U.S., they're probably still required in a lot of states that don't have really strong labor laws. Yeah, but still, even in Canada, I it's like lawyers. I don't particularly enjoy unions, but I'd rather live in a world with them than without them. I agree they need reform. And I think they should be broken up. I don't like the idea of big unions. Like, unions obviously need to be sizable enough to take on their company. But... Um, they become too I powerful. I There I agree. I don't think I, the actual, know, like, mega unions can fulfill their duty of collective bargaining. Because the the needs of people in... Ontario working for Amazon are different than the needs of people in Edmonton working for a grocery store and they shouldn't belong to the same union. I, I, uh, if there's, 
like it's a, let's say it's a really busy day, right? And we're behind. I am not allowed to go and help with the work as a supervisor. Not allowed. If I do it, somebody can grieve it and everybody on that shift gets paid for the time that I put in. If I were to do half an hour work, everybody on that shift gets half an hour extra pay because I took a job away from them. Yeah, that's silly. It's, it's 99% of the things are silly. Not silly, yeah. wrong, wrong and hurtful towards getting the work done in a timely fashion, which should be the bottom line and rewarding people that work well, which should be something you can do. I wouldn't say getting the work done in a timely fashion is the bottom line, but I see where you're coming from. Anyway, it's, it's, it's frustrating. Secondly, getting off that, we were just talking about unions, so that's what brought that up. I didn't scroll that. It just uh, sticks in my craw a bit. But Yeah. Uh, Ex-President Trump given ninth degree, honorary ninth degree black belt in Taekwondo, which is the highest you can get. And I'm just thinking all the people that actually earned it must be super pissed. Yeah. Like, on who decided to give Trump a black belt in Taekwondo? Come on. I feel like most honorary things, like an honorary doctorate, is like, this person didn't go to school for this, but they have expresses enough competence and have enough experience in it that we can give them an honorary doctorate. But no way Trump has that much Taekwondo experience. Oh, I think I think I know exactly how much Taekwondo experience he has. <laughs> I think he, I think I think it's zero. <laughs> I think it's zero. <laughs> and I don't uh, I, I don't think I don't think he could even pronounce it properly. <laughs> if I'm being honest, that's what that, that's my feelings on Trump and Taekwondo. And uh, did you watch the interview with with Trump and the My Pillow guy? No, because I like myself. That guy. I I just saw some clips on uh, Jimmy Jimmy Kimmel and and Seth Meyers, and and, and you know. Mom and I bought my pillows a while ago, pre-Trump presidency, and I now truly wish I hadn't, because I don't want. I wish he had none of my money, because that <laughs> guy, that guy is truly wacko, like like just insane. Yeah. And and it's uh, yeah, it's depressing. <laughs> so Seth Meyers, yeah. Seth Meyers made some sort of joke. About, uh, you know, because Dominion, Dominion counting machines are suing Lindell and they were like, uh, you know, Mike Lindell, you know, if they win, they'll, Mike Lindell won't have the money to pay it, but they'll just get the pillow company. But Dominion voting will be like, no, no, we're good with our machines. They're more comfortable to sleep on. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that's, that's, I just, I, yeah, crazy. That guy's a nut. But that's, that's pretty much all I got. Yeah, I mean, that's the state of the Republican Party, right? I really think, I was thinking about this the other day, center-right Republicans should meet with left-wing Democrats and agree to form two other parties. 
like not join in a party, but they need to both agree to split from their main parties and form two more parties. Because it's not going to happen unless it happens to both. You know, the Republican Party is not going to be willing to split into a right wing and a center right party if the Democratic Party is a whole party and vice versa. So I would say the center right Democrats control the Democratic Party and the right wing Republicans control the Republican Party. So the two like sort of sides of that, the left wing Democrats and the right wing Republicans need to come together and each agree to form two more political parties in the United States. Yeah, well, I don't know. Because there are, it's not going to happen, but there are already four separate parties in the U.S. operating in a two-party system, and that's why Joe Biden can't get anything done. Yeah, and the big, the, the, uh, it's just such, and, and Canada's probably just as bad as well, and it's, it's just so... What what you what you believe is what you see in Facebook, in the news, in in you know what I mean, in Twitter, mm-hmm. in whatever. What you believe is what you see, and it reinforces what you believe and pushes you farther one way or the other. There's no Republicans watching Seth Meyers or Stephen Colbert or 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 John, John Oliver. They're they're preaching to the choir, right? Yeah, and, and you know they make a good living doing that. And they they raise so many good points, but they it's irrelevant really. And then there's no Democrats that watch Tucker Carlson or uh, Judge Sean Hannity, Judge Hannity, or you know Fox or OLN basically, right? They don't watch that because yeah. they're not interested. They know that it's crap, and and the Republicans know that CNN and the rest of the news is crap. So there's no overlap. And there's no, this is another thing that Cheney did was, uh, you know, allowed uh, biased coverage News. in media, yeah. which which changed the whole political landscape. Yeah. So, you know, until we, unless we can go back to, you know, Walter Cronkite reporting the news and the news being what happened, not with a slant... Yeah. Then, uh, you know, I, I think you're just going to get a farther and farther divide. And, and Canada's the same. Like, CBC is the Liberal Party, essentially. Right? Like, there's there's no... They they occasionally will criticize them, but not that hard. And then you have the National Post, which is the Conservatives. And you have, you know, the Sun is the Conservatives. And it's... Uh, Most, if if you look at it... Most newspapers in the 21st century, not all, by uh, not all, but the majority of newspapers in the 21st century have endorsed conservatives. Because it's old people that still read the newspaper. Yeah. The Toronto Star is liberal. The one in Quebec is Bloc Québécois. Um, I think the Toronto Star endorsed the NDP in 2011, but nobody regularly endorses the NDP. But it's mostly conservative. Yeah, absolutely, but I do think they they know their base. Yeah, you know, it's again, it's who's watching, who's reading. Yeah, old, old conservatives read the newspaper. <laughs> you know, that's it. Yeah. Otherwise, you get your news off the internet. You know, I subscribe to Ground News, which I really love, and I wish more people would 
would get that because it it gives a bi- it gives you the bias it tells you the bias going in you know coverage bias um, my pillow guy the coverage bias over the nine sources guess what the conservatives didn't come report on it much right yeah uh, there's, there's also a tool I don't know what it's called and maybe it is part of ground news I don't know but there's something that shows you how your me- social media is biased and what you're mostly seeing. Yeah, I don't know what that. But if you don't know, if you don't know, then that's a problem. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly know, but yeah. Like you have to know what you're. Like I know most of the news I get is center left, and I make a point of trying to go. That's why I subscribe to Ground News. I want to see the right stories as well because both there's no there's no good guy in this. Yeah. <laughs> you know. There isn't. Yeah. The truth is somewhere in between. You want to get good American news? Watch BBC. Oh, yeah. I remember learning that in uh, my social studies teacher in like grade 11 told me that. It's like, if you want good American news, BBC. You want good Canadian news? Al Jazeera. Yeah. Watch, go somewhere who really, where the media really has no investment in your country. And yeah. they'll just tell you what's happening. Yeah. No slant. But nobody does that, so that's the issue. I, I like I read Al Jazeera. Al Jazeera is a pretty good reporting news agency. I look at Al Jazeera. No, I, just, I just mean the bulk of the country doesn't do it. Our country oh, yes. or the states. All to all our millions of listeners, go subscribe to Al Jazeera on social media. Or just ground news. You don't have to go to oh, that far off. I like ground news. I think ground news is a great source. Because it's not a source. It uses it compiles every source yeah anyway we should probably wrap it up as we're hit, approaching the two hour mark I'm sure people will want to invest this amount of time because they miss us yeah well we can't even get what? our this family is... to listen <laughs> oh, oh dear alrighty well that'll wrap it up for this week maybe next week we'll have a outline maybe we won't I kind of like the wing it fleet free throw free flowing style i am enjoying it maybe we'll do a, a few weeks like this i don't know how you feel about it oh you know what sorry i have to add one more thing that i forgot it's very short but it was uh, such a sweet little good news story i was saving it to end on um and then i forgot um just so 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 quickly yeah. so quickly because we Go. do have to wrap up um we really don't good... it doesn't matter <laughs> I, the only thing is I have to make dinner and take the garbage out. Yeah, that's fair. Um, a group of Fredericton curlers beat the Guinness World Record for the longest curling game on Friday after more than 105 hours on the ice. The Capital Winter Club began the challenge Monday with the goal of playing for a total of 120 hours, which they didn't hit, but they beat the 105-hour record. And it was to raise money for youth mental health services in the city. Um, they were aiming to get $105,000. As of 8 p.m., they had raised 160874 Oh, good for them. Yeah, blew away their goal. Yeah, oh, that's good. The, uh, that's, for those listeners that don't live in Canada, you'll have to Google curling. But uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, good for them. 
It's essentially professional sweeping mixed with shot put on ice. Not sh- shot put is solely about distance. It's not shot put. It's like it's throwing locks. It's more like darts. But shuffleboard, shuffleboard. It's shuffleboard on ice where you can make the where you can make the discs curve with brooms. Well, the brooms make them go straight. But anyway, yeah. No, no. It's shuffleboard with brooms yeah, on okay. ice. Yeah. Just watch yeah. uh what's that movie with the curling? The curling movie. I no idea because no. why would anyone watch that? The guy from uh that this is going to be a great bit. That guy from uh the the Canadian Mountie TV show. He was a Mountie and he worked with a cop in Chicago. I don't remember no what idea. it's called. He's a Canadian actor. You might know him. He's a Canadian actor. Was this made before 2010? Yeah, probably. I have no idea. <laughs> okay, just talk for a minute. I'm going to Google because I want to know. Okay. I know the guy's name. It's Paul. I'll explain. If it wasn't on Disney Channel, uh, I don't know anything before 2010. Um, the only winter sport movie I know is the masterpiece Cool Runnings. Um, with John Candy. Cool Runnings is a great movie. Bobsled team, yeah, phenomenal movie. Um, I think it was John Candy's last movie. Was it? Due South. And it's so- called Due South. Uh, and the Paul Gross is the actor, who's a pretty famous Canadian actor. You'd probably know him to see him. We'll see about that. I'm looking him up. Men with Brooms is the curling movie. Creative title. Paul Gross, Leslie Nielsen. Leslie yeah. Nielsen, I've never seen Paul Gross in my life, but Leslie Nielsen sounds familiar. Oh, Leslie Nielsen was in the Naked Gun movies. Never saw those. Oh, no? Paul Gross, if you're looking at a recent picture, doesn't look anything like that. Like he, I'm sure that's what he looks like now, but he didn't used to look like that, which is probably the <laughs> truth for most people. But anyway, you should do South is a great show. Mom and I used to love it. But anyway, Men with Brooms will catch you up on curling, and it uh, is only about as long as this podcast. So, <laughs> alrighty. Well, we'll talk at you again next week. Thanks for listening.